got an email recently, and uh, is, is Angela here or, or is Chanel here? Oh, that's a shame. They're teachers. They would appreciate this. By the way, before I read that, um, someone asked me for the ISBN number for that book I talked about. Is that person here? If you want to read it, then we'll be able to take it. Oh. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I've never seen this before. There's four IBS, ISBN numbers. Uh, 10, 0, 8010, 3. That's cloth version. And I'll just give you one of these um, paperback versions. It's 10 0 8010 7066 X. And that's the uh, paperback, one of the paperbacks. There's, there's two IBS, ISBS, ISBN numbers for uh, cloth version and, and two for the um, paperback. Um, this is entitled, Why Teachers Drink. Question, explain why phosphorus trichloride is polar. Answer, God made it that way. Okay. Let's try another one. <laughs> uh, briefly explain what hard water is. Ice. But should I throw this away? I mean, <laughs> there's a triangle here, and it gives one side being four centimeters, the other side three centimeters. It's right angle, and you have to find the other side, which is X. And the question is, find X. Here it is. Ah, yes. What is a nitrate? Much cheaper than a day rate. What did Mahatma Gandhi and Genghis Khan have in common? Unusual names. In one of the early Romans' greatest achievements, learning to speak Latin. Name six animals which live specifically in the Arctic. Two polar bears and four seals. Name uh, the wife of Orpheus, who, uh, whom he attempted to save from the underworld, Mrs. Orpheus. Where was the American uh, Declaration of Independence signed? At the bottom. <laughs> I like this one. What is the highest frequency noise that human that a human can register? Mariah Carey. <laughs> what is a fibula? It's a little lie. Explain the phrase free press. It's when your mom irons your trousers for you. Why would living close to a mobile phone um, Mast cause uh, might cause you to uh, have ill health. 
Well, you might walk into it. Joanna works in an office. Her computer is a standalone system. What is a standalone computer system? It doesn't come with a chair. Steve is driving his car. He is traveling at 60 feet per second, and the speed limit is 40 miles per hour. Is Steve speeding? He could find out by checking his speedometer. You won't get this. What is a vibration? There are good vibrations and bad vi vibrations. Good vibrations were discovered in the 1960s. Beach Boys, good vibrations. Where was Hadrian's Wall built? Around Hadrian's Garden. And finally, uh, the race of people known as Malays come from which country? Malaria. Okay. Let's. Okay, before we pray, I want to. I want to tell you something. I had a good time this week, and uh, and I had a good time mocking your Tennessee accent. Um, Miss Lawson learned a little English this week. She learned that that the word white is not spelled W-O-T, what? Uh, anyway, thank you. Thank you for a good week. I appreciate it. All right, hey, let's pray, and we'll get into God's Word. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for this camp. Thank you for this week. Thank you for every kid that attended. And most of all, thank you for the way you worked in lives. Some kids are leaving this camp rightly related to you because of the work of your Holy Spirit this week, and so I thank you. Father, I pray for every person here today would you give them the courage to live truth in their schools, in their neighborhoods, all of their lives? I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If outsiders are going to see Jesus in our lives, I'm sorry, if, if, if outsiders can't see Jesus in our lives, it's not their problem. It's ours. And we are the ones who have to solve our hidden Jesus problem. I want to give you a couple of suggestions as to what you can do to help them see Jesus. Emphasis on the word see. Because they don't want to hear about him. They want to see him. And you. Go to, move, go to the movies with them. 
There was a time when I thought I'd never say that. <laughs> no, I, when I was a kid, my parents were very strict. We weren't allowed to go to the movies. And uh, I can understand why. And then when I got out on my own, for a long time I was holding down two jobs and I didn't have any time to go to movies. Once in a great while I go to one, but I understand this. If you're going to live truth before your friends, you've got to be willing to get into their lives and part of their lives, and hey, probably part of your lives too, is movies. So go to the movies with them. But could I suggest something? Take them carefully. You don't need to see naked love scenes. You just don't need that. You don't need the F-bomb coming out every five minutes. You just don't need that. If Jesus Christ was sitting in the seat next to you in your home and, and, and something like that was on, you'd turn it off. You know you would. So... Why should it be any different? Because he is with you. Just choose him carefully. Go shopping with him. I have a friend who's a youth pastor in South Jersey. He used to be a youth pastor in um, a little town in Pennsylvania. And he did an interesting little thing. Um, Wednesday nights was koinonia. Koinonia is a Greek word that means fellowship. And he would meet for Koinonia on the first and third Wednesday nights of the month. The second and fourth Wednesday nights were the nights where he asked the kids to get with some friends. And I've been to that little town. About the only thing there is to do is go to the Walmart. <laughs> I mean, really. It's this giant Walmart, but there wasn't much else in the town. And so that was their assignment. So the first Sunday night, a uh, uh, Wednesday night, they'd have koinonia. Next one, pick a friend. Pick a different friend each week or go with the same one. It doesn't matter. And just walk the aisles of Walmart and talk with them. Talk about whatever interests them. And then the third week, they'd report back how things went. And then the fourth week, they'd do it again. And what he was asking them to do is get out into the secular world and spend time with people. Because that's the way you develop relationships. And developing relationships is when you have the opportunity to share your faith. Go to a diner with them. I go to a diner once, sometimes twice a month with my friend Ernie. And we just, we have the same thing every time. Chocolate chip mint ice cream, chocolate syrup, a couple cups of coffee. We talk. Talk about anything. Talk about how life's going. I'm very careful now about how often I introduce the gospel because I don't want to push them away. And you have to be careful of that. But spend time with them. Invite them to your home. Uh, a girl this week asked me for some 
Bible verses that have to do with the fact that all sin can be forgiven. I think I mentioned this because she has some friends who are lesbians. And they are convinced that they're going to go to hell because Christians have told them there is no chance of you going to heaven because you're a homosexual. Even gone so far as to saying the Old Testament says we ought to burn you. And that's Jesus? No, it's not. And you and I need to be Jesus. And we need to love those kids as well because Jesus Christ died for them. Spend some time. I, I, I suggested to her, I gave her some verses, and I suggested, as soon as you can, invite them over to your house, order a couple of pizzas, just talk. And I, I said to her, please tell those girls, I'll never meet them in my life, please tell them I, that I would love to be there to apologize on behalf of of those Christians who were so dumb as to say what they did to these girls. Please apologize. Not all Christians are smart. Some Christians are jerks the way they act and talk. And I hope she does that. I hope she does it. Be there for them in tough times. Develop a relationship, and if you find out that they have a relative that has died, you cancel everything to get to that funeral home. Just give them a hug and say, man, I'm praying for you. Because it means a lot. Get interested in what interests them. My guess would be what interests them, sports, Maybe for some people, the arts, karate, whatever, modern dance. Reading this book, you know, it, I, here's what this book suggests that your generation is interested in. I can't believe it, but the environment, global and domestic poverty, justice and human rights, illiteracy, pandemic a, a diseases like AIDS, racial disharmony. Hey, that's a surprise to me, but, but whatever it is, you know, it's going to be different for each kid, but find out what interests them and get interested in it. You may have to start associating with some people that you've been taught for a long time to stay away from. If I were you, I would talk to mom and dad and explain what you're doing. When they see your purpose, I'm not sure they'll have a bad... I, I, I think they'll, they'll probably understand. How do you move from unchristian to Christian? Some, just some practical things. Put a premium on relationships friendships. Our interactions with people determine the Jesus that they see in us. Find creative ways of sharing biblical truths. I've shared 
the gospel with Ernie so many times. And at one point, we're sitting in the diner and we're talking, and I could see it. He put up a wall like this. And so I stopped. And afterward, we had left the diner and we're going to our cars and we're standing in the back parking lot. And I said, Ernie, did I come on too strong? And he said, a little. And I said to him, Ernie, I just don't want you to go to sleep one night and wake up in eternity and find out that it's too late. And it's as close as I've ever seen Ernie come to tearing up. And it took him a, f a couple of seconds to collect himself to say this, but what he said to me was, thank you. Please don't give up on me. Hey, I can't give up on him. Frustrates me no end when I drive 22 miles to that Matthew's diner. And he's got one mile to drive, and I sit in the lobby for half an hour because he didn't show. But he asked me not to give up on him, and I'm not going to give up. Cultivate concern for and sensitivity to outsiders. That means, God, please help me to see other races differently. When there's a whole lot of Hispanics in a section of your town, kind of, it's frequently easy to just come to the assumption that they're here illegally, that they have no right being here. Right? Come on, we're, we're human. And you might be right about that. But you can look at it another way. Maybe God's sending them here to put right in your pathway. Ask God to help you to see people through Jesus' eyes. Jesus does not see a fat kid. Jesus does not see a cross-eyed kid. Jesus does not see a black kid or a white kid or an Hispanic kid. Jesus does not see a real pretty kid or a, an ugly kid. Jesus sees a soul for whom he died. And you've got to ask God, please help me to see him that way. Because remember we are talking the other night about why, why doesn't God want us to, to make idols and graven images because everything about us, it's, it's the senses. If it smells good, if it feels good, if it looks good, then I like it, and if it doesn't, I don't. Start seeing people through the eyes of Jesus. Number four, meet people's needs. That's what Jesus did. You kids on junior staff, you know, I, I walked back here one day to put something back here. And I saw one of the junior staff members, and she's in front of the toilet in that bathroom, and she's 
on her knees and she's cleaning the outside and she's just cleaning the whole thing and I thought man that's ministry that's ministry don't think of ministry as going to Africa to be a missionary don't think of ministry as doing what I'm doing up here ministry is meeting needs with the right motives. Serve others. I told you my wife and I worked with a high school youth group of a large Baptist church in North Jersey and we had a lot of different activities. You know what the most popular activity was? Taking them once a month to Newark and uh, going to the Star of Hope mission and feeding, standing behind the, the food counter line and putting mashed potatoes or whatever on a plate and handing it down. and It's called ministry. And some of us were out there just talking with the people and saying hello and greeting them. It's called ministry. It's called serving. They only allowed ten kids each night we had over a hundred kids in our youth group. So what we did was start a, a sign-up list. And one time, we almost had a stampede. We almost had some kids hurt, running to get their names in one of those ten slots. Because when you do that, when you meet needs, man, it's a fulfilling feeling. Love unconditionally. There's three kinds of love in the Greek language. One of them is eros, from the word from which we get the word erotic. Okay, that's kind of love when there's something in it for me. It would be sexual love, but but hey, it's the same word we use when I say, "Oh, I love chocolate pudding." Because there's something in it for me. Good taste. Okay? Like Allison loves bananas. Not. <laughs> and then there's phileo. Filial love. You're my brother-in-law or you're my aunt or you're my uncle so I kind of have to love you. That kind of love. And then there's the kind of love that God loves with it's called agape love. Love for no good reason at all except to love. Love for the sake of loving. I'm not sure I do that a lot, to be honest with you. It's something I've got to cultivate. It's something you need to cultivate. Be willing to be poured out. I said it's frustrating when I drive 22 miles to that diner and he has to drive one mile and Ernie doesn't show up. But it's called being poured out. Listen more and talk less. Have compassion for others. Sacrifice for others. I told you our church does, uh, 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 builds a house every, every year with Habitat for Humanity simply because we know that Habitat for Humanity demands 
that like you know a couple of hundred hours have to, of work have to be put in by the person who's going to get that house, which means we have lots of opportunities to talk with those people. Don't expect outsiders to automatically play by our rules. Don't expect them to embrace your music. Don't expect them to look the part. Don't expect them to use the right language. Ernie and I were out metal detecting one time. And I said, man, Ernie, what are you doing right and I'm doing wrong? He's finding really old coins and I'm finding, you know, pennies and a nickel here and there, a dime here and there. And he said to me, hey, this ain't a pissing contest. And then he went like this. But see, he knows, he knows that I try not to talk that way. And I laughed purposely. Because that's what he that's what somebody like Ernie, that's the way he talks. Don't expect them. Don't expect them to throw their ra raunchy vocabulary out because they're not gonna. Just you do the right thing and eventually you're gonna notice. They're going to notice. What do outsiders want from us? You know what the first item they mentioned was? Listen to me. And that is especially true of gays and lesbians. Because we criticize them and criticize them. We badmouth them. We've got our, our, our pat statements about it. But nobody ever listens to their feelings, to their guilt, to their confusion. Nobody ever listens to them. And the first item they mentioned most often was, listen to me. So you need to do that. The second biggest thing they said was, don't label me. I'm not lost. I'm not a pagan, and I'm not a, a non-believer. I'm not lost. I know what town I live in. I know how to get home, is the way they're thinking. I'm not a pagan. Pagans are people who, you know, worship idols and kill animals and burn them and, and all that stuff. I'm not, I don't do that, so don't call me a, a pagan. Don't call me a non-believer. I believe in a lot of stuff. Maybe not God, but I believe in a lot of stuff. Well, we've got to be careful about labeling them. Third most frequently given answer, don't be so smart. You don't have all the answers. And you know what? We don't. There are, there are topics that you could ask me questions about, and I'm not sure I'd have the answer. And we tend to, well, the Bible says, and, but you know what, if they don't believe the Bible, what good is that answer? If they don't believe the Bible. Fourth, most frequently stated thing that, that they would want from Christians 
Put yourself in my place. Some of you this week have basically said that. I listened last night to some of those testimonies and, and you didn't say it. But the statement behind the statement was put yourself in my place. Because I haven't had it easy. Be genuine. You've got to hurt sometimes. I went out of my way to email Ernie a couple of weeks ago when we had to put our dog down. We had to euthanize our dog. And uh, it was a tough time. And I went out of my way to, to talk to Ernie because Ernie says he prays. He calls it his talks with the front yard. Hey, that's what you want to call it, I guess. And I said, how you doing, Ernie? We're not doing well here and explain the situation. I said, man, if you pray, you might want to pray for us. Christians hurt once in a while, but we walk around like everything's great. We don't have any problems. That's not the truth, and you know it. Be my friend with no other motives. Be my friend with no other motives. But let me just say this. I'm not sure you can obey that one. Because if you're going to live truth, you better have a motive. You better have an end game. You better have a desire to share your faith eventually. But first, be their friend. Just be their friend. I want you to do something. We're not going to pray, but I want you to close your eyes for a second. Would everybody just do that? I want you to bring into your mind the name and the face of someone that you need to live truth before whom you need to live truth. Maybe it's a kid in your neighborhood. Maybe it's a kid on one of your athletic teams. Maybe it's a kid in your school. One of your classes, you, just, you eat lunch with them, I don't know. A kid that you know you need to live truth before them. You got their face in mind? You got their name? Now look up here. I want to read Matthew chapter 25. And I'm going to read beginning in verse 31. It says, When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, He will sit on the throne of His glory. All nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides the sheep. On his, uh, uh, he will set the sheep on his right hand but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on the right hand, Come, blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. 
I was a stranger, you took me in. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, you came to me. And the righteous will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say unto you, inasmuch as you did it unto... Now put that name in. Put that face in. John Doe, you have a real name. Inasmuch as you did it unto that person that you just thought of. You did it unto me. It's called ministry. Given a cold glass of water. Ernie and I were sitting in the back of my car. My, I, I have a, you've probably seen my car. That It's got a, a kind of hatchback that goes up in the back. And we had just spent a couple hours in the sun uh, metal detecting, and we were hot and sweaty, and I brought a cooler along, and, and I, I said, Do you want water or you want a Coke Zero? And he took the Coke Zero, and that's my favorite, so I took one. So I had a bottle of water in there. And we're just sitting on the back, facing, uh, looking out the back. And uh, we're gabbing. And all of a sudden, this lady comes along, and she's running. And it was a hot day. And she didn't have any water, didn't have anything. Like, she's just running. And I didn't stop talking with Ernie. I just reached back, and I grabbed bottle of water out of the ice and I held it out like that and the lady said thank you and took it kept on running it's ministry I don't even know the lady's name she didn't stop I'll probably never meet her but a bottle of cold water it's ministry I want to say one more time I hope this sinks in outsiders don't want to hear about your Jesus they want to see him in your life let me finish by reading an email that I got a while back it's called One Life at a Time once upon a time, there was a wise man who used to uh, go to the ocean to do his uh, writing. He had, a bad ha- bad. he had a habit of walking on the beach before he began his work. And one day, as he was walking along the shore, he looked down the beach and saw a human figure moving like a dancer. He smiled to himself at the thought of someone who would dance to the day. And so he walked faster to catch up. As he got closer he noticed that the figure was that of a young man and that what he was doing was not dancing at all. The young man was reaching down to the shore, picking up some small objects and throwing them into the ocean. As he came closer, he called out, Good morning, may I ask what you're doing? The young man paused, looked up and replied, I'm throwing starfish into the ocean. Then I must ask, why are you throwing starfish into the ocean 
To this the man replied, the sun is up, the tide is going out. If I don't, if I don't throw them in, they'll die. Upon hearing this, the wise man commented, young man, don't you realize there are miles and miles of beach and there are starfish along every mile? You can't possibly make a difference. This, the young man bent down, picked up yet another starfish, threw it into the ocean, and as it landed in the water, he said, I made a difference for that one. There it is, folks. You're probably never going to make a difference in thousands of lives, or maybe not even in hundreds of lives. But that kid that you just thought of, you put their face in your, in your mind, you know their name, you can make a difference in that person's life. I want to end by saying this. You're young. I wish I was your age. Again, because I do things differently than I did it. You've got your whole life in front of you. And it can be a success or it can be a failure. Could I read my definition of a failure at life? This is the definition of a person who's failed at life. Desperately searching but never finding. Chasing after that which cannot be obtained. Drinking at a fountain that does not satisfy thinking that you have everything when you actually have nothing at all and never coming to the realization of any of this until it's too late. That's failure. Do not be a failure. Do not be a failure in life. Thank you. Father in heaven, I thank you again for this week and I thank you for each one of these kids. And I pray that you would help them to realize that they don't have to just go along wherever the river carries them. They can determine to live truth, to be Jesus, people that they come in contact with. Would you help them to realize that if they would do this, their lives will be an astounding success. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.